I, I told Karis two things when they were coming down. I said, you know, I think you'll bless the church. And I said, I think you better obey the speed limit on Herbert Road. <laughs> so that's what I told them, and they did. Well, we're back in the Proverbs after a week off. Wasn't that a good week last week with the McElroys as they shared from their heart on marriage and the family? I hope you were blessed. We're back into some more things in the book of Proverbs and profound wisdom that's 3,000 years old. You can't get any better than what they put out there in that book by King Solomon and uh, his uh, cohorts there. Well, we do have modern-day Proverbs, and uh, they're not nearly as good as those of Proverbs, in, in Solomon and Proverbs, but uh, sometimes they're funny. So I thought we'd start today with a little chuckle as we look at some modern-day Proverbs, and then we'll move into Solomon's. Uh, never test the depth of the water with both feet. If you lend someone $20 and you never see him again, it was probably worth it. <laughs> yeah. Taxation with representation isn't so hot either. <laughs> yeah. Wisdom comes from good judgment, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. The quickest way to double your money is to fold it in half and put it back in your wallet. I didn't say it was your fault. I said I was going to blame you. <laughs> A married man should forget his mistakes. No use in two people remembering the same thing. The early bird gets the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. And lastly, a successful man is the one who makes more money than his wife can spend. A successful woman is one who can find such a man. <laughs> well, speaking of women, today we're going to meet two women in the Proverbs. We're going to see a lot of them in the first chapters. They're two women that we need to understand. They are each having an agenda. They each invite people to get to know them and to experience what they have to offer. We meet this first woman in chapter 1. Her name is Wisdom. Sometimes Proverbs calls her sister. And she's not shy. She goes into the streets. She shouts her message. And those who embrace her find life. We meet the other woman in chapter 2. She has several names, depending on which version you read throughout the Proverbs. Her names are forbidden woman, strange woman, foreign woman, adulterous, folly. Same woman. She's loud. She's boisterous. She's secretive. She lurks in the shadows of the streets, and she gives these brazen propositions. And those who embrace her find death. And so, for the first nine chapters of Proverbs... You have these two women, prominent. First the one calls, and then the other, and then the first one, and then the other, calling back and forth into the untrained ear. These passionate messages could almost sound the same. Come to me. Embrace me. You'll be glad you did. But the outcomes are vastly different. Now, these women aren't actual women. They are metaphorical women. They are giving us some power truth through some figures of speech. They're teaching us what wisdom is and what the lack of wisdom is. And Solomon is using this literary device called metaphors in the first nine chapters because he wants to portray two ways of life. Two ways of life. One is the way of the fool. 
who will follow sinful patterns. It's a self-indulgent, God-ignoring, advice-rejecting, commandment-breaking lifestyle. The other lifestyle is the way of righteousness. It's the way of self-control and God-seeking, advice-respecting, commandment-keeping lifestyle. It's a way of blessing. It's a way of avoiding harm. It's a way of enjoying God. And through these two ladies, Solomon is appealing, don't make the wrong choice. Don't embrace the wrong woman. And so he drives home his point with these two women trying to convince us that only one is the wise and right choice. The other is so bad. And so we're going to see these characters, chapter 2, 4, 8, 9, 14, all bursting upon us with these messages. Come, embrace me. Life will be good. And Solomon's saying, but only one will help you. The other will hurt you. So today, we meet this first lady. Her name is Lady Wisdom. She brings this hard-hitting message home. She brings a dangerous message, but it's the right message. And she is a lady we all need to listen to. And so let's meet her. I'm going to ask you to stand as I read the text. We meet her in, and it's Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. If you don't have a Bible, it's in the Pew Bible, page 527. And if you don't happen to own a Bible, we'd love for you to take that home and let that be your gift. It is such a beautiful thing to own and read a Bible. But here is the introduction to Lady Wisdom, and let's find out what she has to say. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gate, city gates, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn to my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I've called you and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way and, ha and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure, will be at ease without dread of disaster. You may be seated. So the big idea, what I want you to see as what we're after today is that we need to get to know this lady in Proverbs who is called wisdom. She needs to become our friend. We need to embrace her as a friend and not just somebody in the landscape of our relationships. And so I want you to see four identifying marks of getting to know this lady out of the book of Proverbs chapter 1 today. And mark number one is we need to know Lady Wisdom's technique. Her technique, as we get to know her, is found in verses 20 and 21. What is her technique? Look at verses 20 and 21. She shouts in the street. She's got a message. 
And she's screaming it right out there where the people are and in the streets, in the open squares, it says, and at the city gates. And the people aren't really expecting to her to hear her. They're out there shopping. They're out there talking. They're at the city gates, the din and, and hustle and bustle of the affairs of the city. They scurry around. And they're not ready to listen to her. So she shouts. And she talks loud. And she lifts her voice above the noise. She wants an audience. Now that word shout in verse 20 has the idea of a clear-sounding, loud, shrill voice. I used to have a secretary back at Grace who had a voice like that, didn't I? Yeah, and when she would shout, she could stop an auditorium. It, everybody would pay attention. And this is the kind of voice this lady had. And she had this passion that only intensified the loudness of her voice. And she was attracting attention by shouting her message in the street. She wanted everybody to hear what she had to say. It's so important. And so I have four questions. Why would she do this shouting in the streets? Question number one, why does wisdom choose the streets? Well, she chooses the streets rather than the classrooms because it's, a, it's not an academic message. It's about wisdom, how to live everyday life. So she goes right where people are living everyday life. She chooses the streets because she's calling to the masses. She wants as many people as possible to hear her message. She chooses the streets because she's trying to get to an audience that's headed towards disaster, and we're going to meet that audience in verse 22. Question number two, why does she shout? Because the streets are a hard place to get an audience. People are distracted. They're not interested. In the streets, they are antagonistic. And she has to attract this crowd and hold their attention. So she shouts. Let me see by show of hands. Anybody ever take your message to the street, like preaching in the streets? Anybody ever do that? Let me see. My, my, I'm the only hand. Back in the 60s, I did that in Old Town, Chicago. That is tough. Your greatest ally is the microphone and a loud voice to get these people to listen to you. And uh, I haven't done it since then because it's a little tough. But back in my young days in college, I would go down there. And by the way, street preaching today, people say, hey, they're crazy people. But back in Solomon's days, it was kind of more accepted to be out there in the street and yelling your head off with some kind of message. So she shouts in the street to get her attention because the message is important and she doesn't want anybody to miss it. And she understands that there is such a fine line between blessing and disaster, and to miss her message could be the crash of your life. Question number three, does wisdom shout in the streets today? Well, actually, she does. Remember, this is a metaphor. There is no literal lady in the streets. It's a picture of God trying to communicate to us and to get our attention in any way that he can so that we can be blessed by him and not hurt by ourselves. So, how does this lady shout? You need to know. When we read the Bible, the lady is shouting. When someone preaches the word, the lady is shouting. When parents teach their children the Bible, the lady is shouting. When you read good books based on the Bible and how to live, the lady is shouting. When you turn on Christian radio, the lady is shouting. She's still there. Now, here's a last question I want to ask. I think this was intriguing. Why is Lady Wisdom a woman and not a man? That's interesting. Well, the first reason is the word for wisdom in Hebrew is a feminine noun. 
It is feminine, not masculine. So she took on the metaphorical identity of a woman. But here's reason number two. Are you ready? (laughs) God isn't uptight about a feminine voice. Did you know that? Some people are, but God is not uptight. The Hebrew culture 3,000 years ago, men did the speaking. He broke tradition. And in Proverbs, we have a woman, and God wants to know there are times that he grabs attention in the feminine voice in the Bible. It's not always a man, and it couldn't be any truer than in the book of Proverbs where he says, I am getting your attention. A lady is going to speak to everybody about the utterances and wisdom of God. And God says, you need to pay attention to the feminine voice. And so Mark talks about a lady and her technique. She shouts in the streets as the spokesperson for God in an attempt to get people to understand true wisdom so they won't mess up their lives. As we noted before, it's a tough audience she goes to. Let's meet them right now. Mark number two. We need to know Lady Wisdom's audience in verse 22. Who is her audience? Lady Wisdom's message is for everyone, but she targets a special audience. And you find this one in verse 22. She calls them the simple ones, the scoffers, and the fools. The simple ones, the scoffers, and the fools. That is quite a collection. And in an audience she's coming to isn't interested in all in what she has to say, but she calls anyway. Now I'll be honest with you, there are times I will stand up in front of a church and I'll preach my heart out and I'll go home saying, I wonder if anybody even got that. I wonder if they really believe what I had to say. Because they walk in and they walk out, they don't seem to be any different. Did they really get it? But I'll tell you what, if I had to get up in front of a bunch of scoffers and fools and scorners every Sunday, I'd be out selling shoes or something. I couldn't do it. But she does it. And she's there to the same audience, screaming her wisdom to the simple one or naive. And that's the first character. Look at verse 22. The simple one. We're not talking about a person who doesn't score high on intellect text here. We're talking about someone who literally it means to leave yourself open to seduction or deception. You're just willing to open up, even though you've been given sound advice, you don't listen to it. You're naive, you're simple. We're talking about a person who then is easily led and gullible. They're not willing to listen. And thereby, they flirt with sin and temptation, and they're stupid in that they're willing to drift into danger without fear, with no filter, that the danger is coming that could destroy them. And so he says, They are the simple. Solomon says, here's her second character that she speaks to in verse 22. The scoffer or the scorner not only disregards the message as, you know, it doesn't apply to me and nothing's going to happen to me. They take it one step further. They make light of the message. They ridicule it. They laugh at wisdom's face. They discredit the truth to anyone who'll listen. And they even try to make the messenger of God look like an idiot. And so we have this proud and arrogant smart Alec who appears to be unstoppable and he gets the kicks out of his life by mocking wise behavior. And so that's the second character in verse 22. Here's the third one. Call the fool. The fool is the person who abandons common sense. He should know better, but he doesn't care any better. 
And not only does he refuse to learn the word of God, he has his mind closed. You can't tell me anything. Won't listen to the word of God. No spiritual reasoning. And further, he thinks he's right. And everybody else, including the Bible, is wrong. And he's stubborn. He has his mind made up. No clue how foolish he really is and the trouble he is courting. Now, please understand. Don't miss this. These three characters are normal people. Normal people. These are people who are not an extreme occasional case. These are people who are everywhere. People who dismiss God's wisdom, the call of wisdom, as something they don't need are the simple ones, the scoffers and the fools. I give Lady, Lady Wisdom a lot of credit. She goes to the very people who don't want to hear her, but she cares about them. And she cries and shouts to them because she's willing to have them love her. But that's not what they want to do. She's with that audience in spite of their rejection. And my hope is that we at Old North would never be audience found in verse 22. Which leads us to the third mark in getting to know this lady today. Mark 3 is we need to know Lady Wisdom's offer, her offer. When she shouts, what's she shouting? What's her invitation? What's her offer? Look at verse 23. That's where we're going to head. She calls to her audience, and she says, here's what I'm willing to do. I make you an offer. I give you an invitation. And verse 23, she says to the simple one, to the scoffer and the fool, turn to my reproof. And I'll pour out my spirit on you, and I'll teach you what true wisdom is. you got to listen to my reproof, though, and then I'll do these things for you. That is my offer. And she's forcing a change. She's forcing them to move from where they are to where they need to be. And she's saying, you can turn towards me, or you can turn away from me. But you need to listen to my reproof. And if you will, you'll have a breakthrough. Now, that word reproof in Hebrew means to create an awareness of wrong along with corrective instruction. So you show what's wrong, here's what you do. It's like coaching in football or whatever. You show them the wrong move and then they correct it and do the right way. In short, reproof is verbal correction. And the people types in verse 22, they don't like reproof. They don't like correction. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to change. And few of them will ever do it. And the amazing thing, she still comes and says, I still give you that invitation. Before you destroy yourself, it's still available. If you'll listen to my reproof and follow my instruction, you're going to have an amazing life. Well, let me tell you what it takes to listen to her reproof. It takes three things. And I hope you understand this. Number one, it takes a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're not going to be wired and, and, and connected to wisdom at all. When you see Jesus Christ in your life, you start listening in a different way. You have filters you didn't have before, and all of a sudden, wisdom starts to make sense. And if you don't have Christ, true wisdom from above will seem foolish. You need Jesus as your Savior, and then things start to come together. Second thing you need for reproof is a humble heart. You've got to be willing to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that anymore. But you know what gets in the way? 
pride. Pride is the inhibitor of all this. And pride doesn't want to be corrected. The reality is anyone who rejects the words of this lady called wisdom is proud, and that's what makes them a scoffer and simple and foolish in the first place. And so you have to have a humble heart, and if you're holding on to pride, you won't be able to embrace her. The third thing you need to accept her reproof is a listening ear. You need to receive through your ears and your heart what wisdom has to say. You need to be able to be teachable. You need, you need to be able to say, yes, wisdom, tell me what's wrong. I will accept it. I will do it. Just tell me. Coach me. And that's what it means to turn to wisdom's reproof. You know the Lord. You slay your pride, and you're willing to do what she tells you to do. And for those who listen to reproof, she says, oh, I love this. I'll pour out my spirit on you. I'll just drench you with wisdom. It's going to start flowing, and things will begin to make sense as they never did before, and you're going to wonder, how was I so blind that I didn't see it? And so she promises to make her words known to them, and I want you to know that wisdom is not really a search for truth. Don't forget this. It is a revelation of truth. God reveals the way things are. We don't search them out. And the Word of God is His revelation of wisdom. He had to show us what it was. And I want you to know the only place in the world to get the wisdom of God is in the Word of God. It is revelation. And God wants us to know how He sees the world. And if you'll get into the Word of God on a regular basis, you will begin to discover the wisdom of God. You'll learn to think how God thinks. You'll learn to live the way God wants you to live. Otherwise, you'll be into your own brand of wisdom. As I said before, it might be an Oprah brand of wisdom. And you'll be listening to your friends, and you'll want them to agree with you on the positions you take. And that's not what God's wisdom is about at all. In fact, Proverbs later on goes to say, do not lean on your own understanding, on your own wisdom. That'll get you into trouble. That's not what you should do. It is foolishness. Check this one out. One day I heard, and these were some senior adults talking in my former church. You're not going to know who they are, but I overheard them in the hallways. And here's what they said as they were talking. One lady said to the other lady, you and so-and-so have been going together for so long. Now, these are seniors. Why don't you get married? And the other lady said, well, you know, I've been thinking about it, but I'm not quite sure. To which the first lady then said, well, why don't you live together for a while, see if you like it, if it works out, get married. If it don't, stay single. And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Is that spirit of wisdom talking? Is that the words of Lady Wisdom talking? Or is that leaning on your own understanding and the wisdom of this world? You see... The spirit of wisdom is the word of God, and it'll never tell you to live together. It'll never tell you to do that. In fact, I was shocked because these ladies were under my ministry for 20 years. What did they miss? And so Lady Wisdom knows the probabilities. She knows that some people are going to miss her life-giving words, and she wants us to know these words and she wants us to accept her offer be reproved by me and get my spirit and get my wisdom don't go down your own road 
because she knows what happens when you don't listen to her. She knows what will happen in your life if you'll turn a deaf ear and lean onto your own wisdom. And that takes us to Mark 4 about understanding who she is, this lady. She knows. We need to know Lady Wisdom's warning about rejecting her words. She knows that after a while, she'll walk away from you and she'll stop calling. And she'll leave you to your own devices. That is not good. And so what's her warning in all of this? She'll eventually pull away from deaf ears and let the fools crash and burn. I mean, she's right out there telling us. And so in a series of bold and pointed statements in verses 24 through 32, she's really laying it on now. The big part of the passage is that what happens if she walks away. You wouldn't want this to happen to you, really. You don't want, this to ha- you don't want her to walk away from you. And she's telling us, that if you're not willing to listen, here's what's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk away from your life, and I'm not coming back. And when you look for me, you won't be able to find me. And so what we're going to see is not pleasant. It's absolute reality. A four-step withdrawal process by which Lady Wisdom will leave those who refuse to listen to her, and it's quite a warning. So how does she do it? Four steps. Step one. Wisdom is rejected, verses 24 and 25. Time and again, she'd bring her message to you. She'd bring it to the street. And she'd call out. It says she'd even motion with her hands. She'd shout and motion, come, listen to my wisdom to get their attention. But they would ignore. And she told them what was right and what was wrong, but they'd reject her counsel. They refused to listen. And the simple one and the scoffer and the fool would blow her off the stupidest thing they could have ever done. I think we often feel like Lady Wisdom. Have you ever been there? Where you realize what's going to happen. You go to people and you know they're going down the wrong road and, and, and you tell them what's going on. You tell them what's going to happen. Sometimes it's your children and, and they'll go, whatever. They won't listen to you. And they go and they get themselves hurt because they wouldn't listen. And so she is realizing that there are going to be a lot of people in life that when they hear the Word of God and they hear the wisdom of God, it's going to seem so stupid and so foolish. They're going to reject it. And she said, that's going to happen. Now, if that's you, if you reject wisdom, it doesn't stop there. It moves to a second step. And the second step, she says, is mocking. Wisdom is mocked. Verses 26 and 27. This is an incredible role reversal that we're seeing here. The scoffers mocked the lady. Now, she'll mock them. She tried to spare them the calamity that they're going to get into and... They laughed at her and said she was crazy, and they thought they could cruise along with their own wisdom. Then the storm struck them suddenly, and it hit them hard. Now it says wisdom is laughing at their pain. Now, this is almost a a surprising turn of events here, this mocking of lady wisdom. Is this the kind of thing God is into? That when suddenly somebody gets really hurt in their stupidity, God's up in heaven, and he's laughing because somebody got hurt. No, this is not about the heartlessness of God. God is making a point here about the absurdity of choosing folly over wisdom, and if it weren't so pathetic, it would be funny. 
That's what it's talking about here. If it weren't so pathetic, it would be funny. These people who ignore the word of God, they bring calamity on their heads. It didn't have to happen to them, and they did it anyway. It's almost laughable. And so every day, in your life circle, my life circle, we're going to see people who are making foolish decisions, and some of them have a sneer in their face. And they do it in a way willingly and stubbornly and stupidly. But it says, you know what? God's going to have the last laugh. Which takes us to, wi- to, to wisdom step three of departing. She is rejected. And then she, is, then she mocks. And then she says in verses 28 and 29, step three, she hides. Wisdom hides. Now look what happens. Those who rejected wisdom and they rejected wisdom... And they rejected wisdom. And now they're hurting. They come whining when they're in trouble. And in their pain, they cry out for the lady, help me, help me. I promise I'll do things different. I'll listen, I'll listen. Please don't leave me. And the role reversal that started in step two, where now she's the one who was laughing, continues in step three. She's the one who will not listen. She's the one now who will turn the deaf ear and now they are in the streets shouting for her and she won't listen why we're told in verse 29 because they hated wisdom they didn't choose the fear of the Lord and now when wisdom calls they think they've had a change of heart but they really haven't lady wisdom knows that when they're in trouble it's only for the moment please get me out of the problem and then she knows that their heart really isn't changed And they'll go right back in their own way again. And then that brings about step four. Finally, she says, I'm going to remove myself from your life. You didn't want to hear. I'm going to shake the dust off of my shoes. And you won't hear from me again. Wisdom, in verses 30 through 32, is removed. And these simple ones, the scoffers, the fools, they felt their ways were better. They ignored the words of wisdom. They rejected her with disdain. None was going to tell them what to do. They had it all figured out. But now, wisdom is gone, and they're all alone. And what wisdom said is now happening. She is gone, and they are left alone to reap their own fruit. The seeds that they sowed are now into their own lives, and they're getting back exactly what they sowed. They sowed discord, they sowed disharmony, they sowed all kinds of bad things, and now that's all coming back to them in excess, and they're hurting at their own hands. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, he wants us to know, and he says, "Do do not be deceived. We will reap exactly what we sow. There is no way around it. So what we have in step four, is the one who rejects Lady Wisdom will lose her. And what he gets instead, the verses say, is created by his own wisdom. It will be the eventual self-destruction of a person. And did you know that what Lady Wisdom is saying is this? When I finally go away from you, and you lean on your own wisdom, what you'll end up doing is destroying yourself. And that's her warning. And so while they think they're having the time of their lives, they're sowing these kinds of seeds that's only going to come back and destroy them. For instance, every once in a while, I think about Hugh Hefner. I think about his empire. I think about his wealth. I think about his pleasure. That old guy is now 89 years old. 
And since the 1950s, it looks like he's proven Lady Wisdom wrong. He chose to follow the other woman. And it looks like that other woman has been so good to him. And if you've ever listened, though, to Paul Harvey, you will know that he hasn't seen the rest of the story yet. I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. You know, you got to understand, it's not ours to look out there in the landscape and see if the simple ones and the scoffers and the fools are beating the system and see whether they're getting away with all those things, that life is good for them. And, and for you who are righteous and walking down the way of wisdom, things are tough. It's not for us to look that way. Lady Wisdom says, in the end, the stupid will hurt themselves, believe that as long as it takes, maybe even a lifetime, and even then into eternity, it ain't gonna be good. And woe is the person from whom Lady Wisdom walks away and never returns. And so Mark 4 is about Lady Wisdom. And she says, take my warning seriously. Don't play the fool because in the end, the one who plays the fool destroys himself. Well, I bring this sermon to a close about this great woman today called Lady Wisdom. As I do, I, I want to leave you with a twofold challenge. The twofold challenge, the first one, is I appeal to you today. Embrace her. Embrace her. Get to know her. Don't play the fool. For look at verse 33. It's the great verse of hope mixed with all of a warning. Here comes the great verse of hope. It says, if you listen to Lady Wisdom when she calls, if you'll take her reproof, if you'll follow her advice, if you'll accept what she has to see and offer, that you will have amazing results. What are they? She says, you'll live securely, be at ease from the dread of evil. Now, that's an amazing promise. That is incredible. What does it mean? First of all, it means that we're going to spare ourselves self-destruction. If we'll listen to her, we're going to have a pretty good life. But if we ignore her, we're going to hurt ourselves. And she said, spare yourself trouble. If you will embrace me, I will give you a blessed life. But I have to say something to balance that out. I think you're seeing what I'm seeing. I think you're thinking already, yeah, but I know righteous people who are hurting. I know people who are good and bad things happen to them. I know that sometimes that there's a dread of evil that comes over us. And so, is she not telling us the truth? Well, that's, my friends, when the rest of the Bible comes in. And you have to interpret the Bible with the Bible. And you're going to find out that sometimes wisdom will tell you good things will happen. And sometimes other things have to be known that wisdom will tell you. And I'm going to give you the balance, what wisdom says in some other place. For when you are following Lady Wisdom and it looks like the wheels are coming off, she speaks to you in other passages of Scripture, like the Psalms. Listen to this. This is wisdom calling from another part of the Bible when things are tough. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, you won't be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flows by day or the pestilence that stalks in the darkness or the destruction that lays waste at noon. Oh, what awesome truths. Lady Wisdom saying to you, you may come against a storm, but you will stand on the rock. You will not be destroyed. That's Lady Wisdom speaking. 
And I think I remember Jesus saying something like that in Matthew chapter 7. When you build your house on the rock, even though the storms come, it will stand. But if you build it on your own wisdom, on the sand, when the storms come, it will what? Fall. And so the first thing I say to you, don't be the simple one. Don't be the scoffer. Don't be the fool. She shouts today, embrace her because she's all you need to walk your pilgrim road of life. Here's the second challenge. Not just to embrace her when she calls, but to recognize her. She makes herself known in the Proverbs, but you know, it's in the New Testament when we find out her true identity. Do you know who wisdom really is in the New Testament? Can you say me? Can you tell me? Wisdom is Jesus Christ. That's who wisdom is. In the New Testament, we find out that wisdom Jesus is the wisdom of God. And if we but obey him when he calls, it says we will enter into his joy and the abundant life. And those who refuse to listen to Christ hurt themselves by their own hands. And it's so needless. And so I want you to know as we go through Proverbs who wisdom really is. It is the mind of Jesus Christ on all of life. And that's who wisdom is. It is Christ the wisdom of God, the one who came to save us, not just from our sins, but the one who came to save us from ourselves. I stand before you today crying out on Lady Wisdom's behalf. I call to you. I say to you, listen to her voice. Don't be the simple one. Don't be the scoffer. Don't be the fool. Get to know her. Listen to her teaching. Embrace her reproof as she speaks to Pro from Proverbs. And spare yourself a lot of heartache. Embrace her today and allow the word of Christ to dwell in you richly with all wisdom. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16. Would you bow your heads with me, please, right now? Every, he every head bowed, please. What I want you to do is, I've introduced Lady Wisdom to you. I want you to examine your life. Does she have your ear? Does she have your ear? Or are you playing the fool? Are you listening to her voice even today as she speaks? Or you think, ah, I don't need that. I can live my own life. I'm happy the way I am. How is your relationship with Lady Wisdom? Take a moment. now I'm asking you in this solemn moment, if you realize you, you need to make some adjustments and you've not been quite hearing what you should hear, maybe leaning too much in your own understanding, maybe some mid-course corrections as she's reproving you even now as she calls to you in love that her ways are best, your ways are painful, and you need to make an adjustment. I'm just going to ask you to stand where you are. I'm going to pray for you. I've already done this in my study this week. I stood because I knew I needed to hear Lady Wisdom a little more clearly. Anybody out there right now be willing to stand. I'm going to pray for you to make some adjustments towards Lady Wisdom, to hear her voice and embrace her message. Across the auditorium, just stand. Anyone else? Father, a number have stood today. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to them loud and clear through your spirit. 
So grateful for the truth of your word, God, that speaks to us every, every day. When we open the word, we see the wisdom of God. And Lord, it does reprove us, it does correct us, it does train us in righteousness, it does equip us, and we're grateful for that. So everyone who stood, including myself, I pray that you would just speak clearly like a laser beam to their hearts about any adjustments they need to make. And I give you praise and glory in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Well, you know that a few weeks ago we had guest speakers, our executive pastor, uh, Minister Dan Peterson and Ivan uh, uh, was with us and he's uh, one of the church planters in our in our area our district and our goal is to plant 20 churches and, and you, why we want to do that I want you to see a video and I, as you see this video I want you to know that this is why we're doing taking this offering in just a moment but this video was also produced by uh, our staff at Grace Church back in Erie and the second church in is the church I came from in Erie so they'll give you a little bit more introduction to Erie but this is why we're taking this offering and we're hoping that God will at least move us to $10,000 today to send towards this effort show us the video right now please <laughs> 